Hello and welcome back to our Talking with Apes podcast, uh, the podcast where we discuss a new socio-political topic every week. Today we are here with our 12th episode to talk about a topic everyone has heard about, I assume, if you're like the kind of person that listens to political podcasts at least. Uh, today we will talk about Afghanistan and more specifically, of course, the withdrawal of uh, American troops from Afghanistan like all troops from Afghanistan, really, and uh, the victory of the Taliban. Now, if we're going to talk about the whole yeah, future of a country, maybe we should also look at its past for a moment. Um, and we have a history teacher among us. Uh, so, Tom, why don't you take it away? Um, okay, yeah, uh, it says, uh, as one of the sources that we consult uh, said, Mo Magazine, like, uh, an old international conflict takes a sudden turn, but does not disappear immediately. So read history if the future interests you. Um, so I'll give a short overview of the history of, uh, of Afghanistan. If you are already familiar with it, I suggest you click ahead so you don't make yourself despair even more than you already have to, considering yes, the situation. Just go to the second hour of this point. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll go over it. Uh, we'll go over it uh, very minimalistically. Um, Let's start in 1973, which is when Afghanistan had a king still, uh, and which was a time when it, the, the country was faced with political instability because the king uh, was unwilling to sign laws, so parliament couldn't operate, and a power struggle uh, followed. Um, that situation was ended by a bloodless coup by Mohammed Daoud uh, Khan, uh, the nephew of the king, if I'm not mistaken. You said Kinan. Um I don't know names. Okay. Uh, he established uh, the Republic of Afghanistan. There is a lot of names in our research, yeah, to be fair. There is a lot of names. But uh, yeah, his, um, the person who like led the coup against the king was his cousin indeed. Yeah. Uh, so he established the Republic of Afghanistan, which tried to move away from both the US and the USSR, uh, at the moment still uh, existed, and tried to form a closer band with Muslim countries. Uh, he um, was in turn ousted by the 1978 uh, coup by the People's Democratic Party of Afghanistan, a Marxist-Leninist party uh, that installed a revolutionary council headed by Nur Mohammed Taraki. Um, in 1979, they were overthrown by one of the uh, deputies, Hafizullah Amin, whose reign was very short because after that the Soviet Union basically invaded uh, to make sure that the country remained uh, uh, a socialist or communist uh, state. Uh, they installed their own puppet government led by Barbak Karmal, uh, which became ex increasingly unpopular because the communists started to do what the communists did, which was strip away everything relating to uh, religion and specific cultural traditions, they, um, which of course angered the population, which in that time was still very much entrenched in their historic Yes, power struggles. Yes. Uh, at the same time, there was also, I mean, yeah, if we're just like stating facts right now, this is not like connected to any uh, opinion about the ideology of the Soviet Union or whatever. It's just the Soviets also invested heavily in education, in. Uh, we're the ones that in, forced uh, infrastructure. Uh, or that, uh, yeah, that forced women to go to Basically, school. Basically, they did uh, mandatory education, something that yeah. has been. Uh, like if you look at any um, modern history country, once you have mandatory education, you have a better educated population and that's usually a good thing. Um, the 
Uh, Soviet uh, government was opposed by the Mujahideen parties. Who, Mujahideen. Uh, Mujahideen, uh, who rebelled. Um, translating to people who fight for Islam in direct opposition to what the Soviets were doing. Indeed. Muslim, holy fighters. Yeah. That's, that's the literal translation. But in their power system, because they formed the interim government when the Soviet Union then fell, uh, and they formed the interim government, but one of their parties was refusing to give up power to said interim government, and they were fighting a lot amongst themselves, um, following, you know, political inst- political instability followed, corruption followed, uh, and that is the power vacuum in which we see the Taliban ar- arise for the first time. Taliban translating to students as yes. they grew out of Islamic educational schools. Um, they received funding from the public and support for a while uh, because they were in opposition to the corruption and instability of the Mujahideen. Um, they booked pretty big and fast successes. Um, they started with the uh, takeover of Kandahar in the south of Afghanistan, uh, made rapid progress, and after two years they basically controlled Kabul and the majority of the country. Um, except Kabul for being the capital. Yes, being the Kabul capital, being yes. the capital of uh, Afghanistan. They had trouble with one city, uh, Mazar-e-Sharif, uh, uh, which was one that resisted occupation, uh, but after one of the generals there killed thousands of Taliban prisoners, the Taliban retaliated uh, with at least equal, uh, yes, um, how do you say, vileness. Um, the reta- I mean, the Taliban attacked in 1998 and shot everything and everyone that they considered to be not them, including children. Uh, 8,000 innocents probably died. That's uh, the, estimate, uh, the estimate we have. Um, and they didn't allow the dead to be buried for six days, leaving them to be eaten by dogs in the streets uh, under Lovely. the hot sun. In 2001, and that's probably the point which many people are still familiar with, uh, Al-Qaeda, uh, the terrorist organization, attacked the US and destroyed the Twin Towers. 9-11. Uh, 9-11, yes, uh, in which 3,000 Americans died. And the Taliban, at that point in control of Afghanistan, refused to give uh, Al-Qaeda forces to the US when they they uh, demanded it. They had Osama bin Laden um, basically hiding. Was it Afghanistan or Pakistan? I don't know. But basically, um, the US demanded Osama bin Laden personally to be extradited. But also, uh, the US demanded to get um, proof that Osama bin Laden had been part of the attack or like had been related to the attack, which the Taliban did not want to give them just for nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how it happened. And then the US declared war. The US and they brought along a coalition of uh, of NATO. Um, Yes. The US uh, indeed invaded, uh, managed to take a lot of ground pretty quickly, though there is much to be said about the military strategy and everything involved on, in that sense. Um, there have been a lot of critics of that entire uh, operation, and not unrightfully so. Um, in As the US and their coalition were uh, basically taking uh, ground in Afghanistan, and uh, a number of Afghan groups uh, met in Bonn in Germany and made an agreement to form an interim government, which the US backed, and that is the government that would later develop into the central Afghan, you know, nation-state government that is now being ousted. Um, it already has been. Has been ousted, yeah. I, I mean, it completely is gone indeed. Um, 
By late 2001, though, the Taliban had lost and surrendered basically Kandahar and was forced to go underground, though they by no means ever completely were gone. Uh, um, the, the Americans were never be were never able to military-wise uproot Taliban or Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. No. It, it has never been actually done. They went underground. They, they always went underground for the new leader, tactics. do guerrilla tactics again. And by 2016, already they uh, controlled 20% of the territory again, uh, yes. which in, by 2017 uh, meant that about half of the people of Afghanistan, of that territory, were living under either Taliban rule or in a place where the Taliban was open and existed, uh, clearly. Um, because the Taliban started to make agreements and deals with the se- pretty weak central Afghan government that the U.S. had backed. Um, and in 2018, we see the Trump administration of the United States uh, start talks with the Taliban and the Afghan government, which resulted in the 2020 Doha Agreement. And we're getting closer to the present. Uh, the Doha Agreement says that the U.S. would withdraw by May 2021. Uh, the Taliban would not harbor terrorists anymore. Uh, peace talks between the Taliban and the Afghan government would continue and a prisoner exchange would follow. Um, the prisoner exchange went mostly from the side of the of the central government as they released 5,000 people and the Taliban only 1,000. And it was pretty much immediately clear the Taliban had no interest in actually following up on that agreement Since in the first 45 days after it was made, the Taliban basically made like 4,500 attacks, uh, which is a 70% increase uh, compared to the year before. Um, So they really amped it up. Uh, And they started to surround provincial capitals, so the, the central cities of the provinces, where the US was slowly withdrawing. Um, Biden seeing or, or getting notified by his uh, the Biden uh, administration that then in power in 2021 uh, got noticed by their security services that uh, May would be a very early withdrawal and that they should uh, extend the deadline. Uh, he unilaterally did, meaning he did it without consulting the Taliban or the Afghan government. Um, uh, he extended it to September uh, 11. Uh, which uh, the Taliban completely rejected. And after May 11, the original date, they started to really amp up their offenses. Um, They started to attack uh, seven major provinces, uh, and between May and June, they had 2,000 civilians who were wounded and killed uh, already. Um, By the 15th of August, the Taliban basically uh, was back in control of the entirety of Afghanistan, except for uh, a few uh, places like Kabul airport and uh, one uh, specific province, which remains still this day uh, unoccupied. Um, And with control, we mean full control. They have the administrative centers, they have the police headquarters, they have the government institutions, they have all major border crossings in and out of the country. Um, In Kabul airport, which is one of the places that till this day of recording, is still being controlled by Western forces. Uh, The West uh, started to uh, create an air bridge to get uh, their own uh, citizens as well as some uh, people they considered uh, at risk or uh, indebted. The uh, airport is is also being kept by the Western forces because the Talib, it was part of the agreement or like the the last minute kind of 
fraction of an agreement exactly. where the Taliban was like, okay, this part we will not try to invade. So And basically all major countries started to uh, create air bridges, getting yes. their people to neighboring exactly. countries before shipping them back to, to their places. Yeah. Um, that is coming to an end. Belgium's air bridge, for example, has ended. That yeah. uh, stuff uh, has happened. Um the UN Refugee Agency to cap this off uh, has described the entire the human toll of the hostilities as immense. Uh, more than 18 million people are in need of humanitarian assistance. That is half the population of Afghanistan, at least. Uh, and they basically cite conflict, the corona pandemic, and drought uh, as reasons for this. Uh, and it has led basically to the displacements of millions of Afghans. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that in the in the rest of the podcast. That is the yeah, and the people that got out through the air bridges did not include local activists, etc. That no, were no, it was working it was really with U.S. or other of countries, foreign countries themselves, exactly. or people that were very closely yes. linked to them. Like and for had example, the lock translators of getting to, to Kabul some, in yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, so that's a, that's a very yeah. brief and, and very do, minimalistic overview of the countries. Like I do think before we like kind of end the, the discussion of the history of Afghanistan, I think it's important to like look into whether it was uh, justified to invade this country in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, after 9-11... The U.S. refused to give um, the Taliban any sort of proof or evidence that uh, they had that they needed to arrest uh, Osama bin Laden. Um, they just wanted to have him handed over immediately within a couple of days, and the Taliban refused that. And then they just declared full-on war. Which is not how it usually. And while would the Taliban's like refusal to hand over Osama bin Laden or any other Al Qaeda forces and proof, etc., is the official reason it's cited. Um, yeah, but even that, like, even if you just look at that, isn't it a bit crazy to be like, if you don't give us this person that lives within your country without us giving you any proof that he is really guilty? Within a couple of days, of course, we will just declare war on you. Like even that alone is pretty, pretty, oh. like <laughs> I don't know, pretty extreme already. It is. I. Well, yes, that is that is crazy. Um, but we have. I mean, that's that's. On the other hand, it's no more crazy than uh, the entire thing that kicked off World War One, which was basically uh, an investigation into the death of a of a. Of a print of the Austrian prince, uh, and in which the uh, Austrians, Austrian Hungarians, demanded complete and full access and and to lead the investigation. Yes, but that was not portrayed as a human. That was not portrayed as a humanitarian act. No, so, and in, which the first, U.S. did pitch this as a bit. Yes, but only afterwards. In the beginning, it very they were very much open and clear about their totally imperialistic, vengeful uh, nature uh, of the matter. Um, but aside from that, the U.S. might have cited that as a as a reason. The, the behind the scenes uh, decision making process probably included a few other things, including that one, their grand strategy, which 
you know, comes down to making sure that India or China doesn't develop uh, as a as competition to mm. them on the world stage. Um, they constantly play countries out against each other in the Afghanistan conflict. So do many of the players involved. It is basically constantly trying to pit people against each other. Uh, a second uh, reason is regional control. The US uh, is, of course, very uh, dubious about one, Iran in, in, uh, in the neighborhood, and two, uh, Pakistan and its uh, nuclear ability and, and the instability in the country concerning the nuclear uh, power of, of the country. Um, that is a, a, a worrisome development for them. And um, then there is also the, the fact that the war in Afghanistan was a pretty good reason for the US uh, to continue NATO uh, after, uh, or at least, uh, if, I mean, I'm quoting uh, a professor of the uh, Sorbonne University here. Um, let me get his name. Um, Gilles Doronsoro, uh, professor of political sciences at the Sorbonne uh, in Paris, um, who pointed out that the reason after World War II, n the European powers basically saw a little interest in NATO, you know, the defensive alliance was no longer necessary because the enemy was defeated, etc. But for Washington, it was way more interesting to maintain the alliance and get a, continue to have a grip over the European powers or at least make sure that they don't fully develop themselves again militarily so that the US could continue to dictate uh, where interventions would take place and, and, and how. And the Afghan war was a pretty grand example for them to prove that NATO was needed and that in a sense that NATO was going to defend the Western <laughs> democracies and, and freedoms and rights wherever necessary by with the leadership of the United States, of course. Yeah, because like when I when I talked to my mom like when I told my mom what happened in Afghanistan now and etc. She was like, oh yeah, like, you know, of course horrible she immediately thought about like women's rights, etc. And then when we talked about it, she was under the impression that um, this whole war started in the name of human rights, basically. And mm -hmm. like, I'm like, my mom tries to like follow uh, the news, etc. So I was like quite like weirded out by it because uh usually you know she knows a bit more detailed uh things about the news and um yeah so so i looked it up and like there was like this whole campaign around making it look like that yeah and that was also a, a big reason why a lot of democrats in america went along with it and yeah it's just interesting to see uh as as the uh, occupation started to grow longer and longer, you know, it's of course difficult to to keep on surfing one in public opinion on the on the wave of anger and retaliation and vengeance for yeah. for nine eleven. So uh, a more you know liberal and centrist story of building a nation state, yeah. creating a better society. But that's the problem: you never build a nation state. Like if you would have built something, it wouldn't be just crumbling down immediately um, they, once they you leave. kind of tried um, and kind of also not in the sense that 
There definitely was a lot of money funneled into Afghanistan. Yeah, but um, was it always spent right, etc.? No, that's the that's the other point. Everything in terms of development always took a backseat yeah. to military uh, military goals and purposes, uh, and blatant corruption and uh, yeah but and also things like just uh, i think we we actually watched something about uh, airplanes that they funded and it was like this huge expense uh, like military airplanes yeah um and the people in afghanistan didn't really have the resources to learn how to maintain them like fly there's, with there's, them, there, there is two elements to it. There is the one, the humanitarian development of, of society, and two, the, the Afghan army, which was yeah. being constructed or formed, and which was a disaster in and of its own. Yes, um, because the when it comes to the, the society itself, you know, they built schools in places where they didn't need schools. They uh, Development always took a backseat to to military goals. Uh, funding was handled by uh, the military sometimes, who had no oversight. So that was terrible. Uh, and then when it comes specifically to the Afghan army, there was this magic number of 300,000, which they always tried to reach, um, <laughs> with billions of investments indeed in, in training and in equipment, and a lot of training by a lot of uh, military officers from the West, so from European countries and from America, which got a lot of praise for what they did. Seems now a bit hollow. Um, yeah. Um, but the Afghan army always suffered from uh, high casualty rates, desertion, corruption. Like there was, there is an entire phenomenon which is being discussed, like of ghost soldiers, where commanders just basically say they have a number of soldiers gain uh, the, the salary for those soldiers and then just pocket it themselves and those soldiers don't ever really exist. Um, so yeah, there it's it's been almost 20 years, like it's been 20 years of war. They have spent $2 billion. spent way more. I mean, I America spent uh, an estimated $2 billion oh, okay. on Afghanistan, $2.2 billion. Uh, or, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're back to... Where it started or not? Like, is it is it just was it just all for nothing? Basically, uh, they killed Osama bin Laden in twenty eleven. So and actually, like after two thousand eleven, after like the whole operation when Obama killed uh, Osama bin Laden, there was actually talks of withdrawal. There was a lot of forces being withdrawn from Afghanistan. I know it's ridiculous, but uh, this so was all of it just to kill one guy. Yes, kind of. Also, but I, d- I also want to go back to like the whole, like how 2001 started. <sighs> it's it's very problematic. It's very complicated. And obviously the American government has been doing a lot of, uh, let's ride the anger wave for uh, imperialistic uh, causes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never actually about justice or um, anything else. But there has been documents like uh, the Taliban were like, okay, we acknowledge that Osama bin Laden is a criminal. So there was need, no need of proof. And they said that they are going to limit his uh, operations. I just want to like make clear that the Taliban has never been the uh, poor good guys. Never. Ever. I mean, of course not. <laughs> like... Never. No, no. We can look at what they, how, they, how their past rule went. 
uh, in a moment, but uh, they definitely were. I mean, never. it's never like what we just discussed. I, I don't think any of us ever thinks that the Taliban are the good guys here. I think it's more about like, was it justified to risk thousands of lives to kill one guy <laughs> or like no. to just they make also a got statement. a lot of uh, got out of oil, got to um, Republicans got to um, Which? enshrine their their following in the US by. Their political power has grown a lot. Like a lot of people argue, if if um, if the whole nine eleven war thing, like the invasion of Iraq, the invasion of Afghanistan, didn't happen, Bush wouldn't have been elected a second term. But he was. I know that's why a lot of people think Bush did. But like, I mean, that's a conspiracy theory. I just mean like mm. there is a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it it, it it can't be like uh, overstated how. The Republican Party in the U.S. have been riding on that 9/11 anger till yeah. till this day. Like, if there are two things uh, you need to know about the Republican Party in the U- United States of America, is uh, the evangelical Reagan period after um, you know that whole area in the 70s and 60s after the civil liberties movement, where oh my God, Daddy Reagan, come make this country great again, basically. Mm. And afterwards, you have the Bush thing with uh, post 9-11, let's be the American Jeremiah sheriff that solved the world's problems and take vengeance. America, fuck yeah. But um, what is that song? We'll put a boot in your we ass. Put it's the American, American way. way. It's basically the follow-up to speak softly, but carry a big stick. Basically, but uh, what you ask at the end of the history section is, okay, after 20 years of war, are we back to where we started? And where we started is... To, to, in 2001 was a country that has been without infrastructure, have been uh, one of the poorest countries in the world. It was uh, it was ruled by the Taliban. And yes, we are back to where we started, but this is not where the Taliban story begins. I think if we want to talk about where the Taliban story begins, we must begin with the, like at least when it comes to America, it starts with the CIA operation, Operation Cyclone where mm. they um, basically supported uh, the Taliban, supported all Mujahideen, supported uh, anyone who would just fight the Soviets. Um, China did the same. The European countries did the same. Um, and it's one of those things that is, okay, let's look at the... How did the Soviets get in power anyway in Afghanistan? And yes, they also did the same thing. They basically invaded Afghanistan by supporting... Uh, Soviets, uh, socialist uh, politicians in Afghanistan. It's just the whole thing with like, with how horrible the 2001 till now war has been. I'm just, I don't know if it's the right place to start. This is about a history of imperialism and um, global fucking uh, interference with a country without any regard to its citizens or its autonomy or its people. Yeah, has, it yeah. has always been a fucking war between Soviets and the rest of the world and then rest of the world and so, so nobody like can say that um, I don't know, it's just a bit complicated and honestly what what do you even say now? I mean, I would argue the answer is is for the majority of it yeah, it was basically all for fucking nothing because they didn't even manage to build decent roads in a lot of places. That's how fucking corrupt and incapable the entire operation went concerning building a state. Um, besides, building a state is a wrong objective in my opinion anyway because 
the entire geography of Afghanistan and its cultural diversity of the people living within the territory doesn't allow for this mono monopolistic idea of a nation state, like one culture, one people, one state. That entire that didn't work. <coughs> wouldn't work anyway because the country is also cut in half by a mountain uh, range and by terrain that doesn't allow for that way of, of administration. Um, instead, they could, have, uh, they could have maybe attempted to create a bottom-up political system, see what the people wanted, how the people would want to organize themselves, let that happen, strengthen mm -hmm. that, let them form their own militias. Um, see how that would have worked out and 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 secured that. How? I'm not saying it could have worked. It's something. It is the 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 matter of local resistance seems to have at least worked in northern Syria for some people. That's all I can say. Um, it, when it comes to uh, but in Syria, Islamist extremism in Syria was never as strong or as. No, as, I'm, I, I can't say as it, it brutal work. as it was in Afghanistan. What you have to understand is the Afghani people have been brutalized for more than 40 years. They've been terrorized yeah. by this movement. Um, I know it's. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is with all of the horrible imperialistic uh, intentions of the U.S. and the global community. I also would want to say that. If we're looking at a country that is literally stoning women in the street, I would like to say that as an international community, we could be like, no, this is fucked up. And yeah, we should exactly. do something about it. I think I, I'm fully with you. I, think it, it, I, th I just think it's a very easy idea to be like, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. Exactly. No, I fully agree. I fully and agree. It's, like, it's not that easy. No, exactly. Because, uh, and that's. That was the other point I was going to make. The positive thing, the one positive thing, is that there once again, in, in the same way, and I'm not saying the communists did a good job in Afghanistan as a whole, but the same way they let people there experience their freedoms a little bit, the Americans and the occupation let uh, people experience freedoms again in, in at least a, a certain area. Some yeah, people, some women those managed people to go are to fucked now. Yes, mm, uh, physically they're fucked. But now they have, and, and this is a very cynical point to make, I know, but it's not like in Western history, you know, the French Revolution happened out of nowhere and everything was good. No, that was a bloody massacre, you know. It, it was a horrible period for this continent and it was built on more blood and more death than, than we can imagine. Um, the same with, I mean, the Hayutan revolution also wasn't an, a nice bloodless thing. The point is, it built upon ideas and ideas and, and the experience people had and the, the fact that they got to experience freedom a little bit more and more every time and that they knew what they were fighting for and thus at least had a collective memory of where they were going towards and, and, and a defense of said rights. I think gave them a stronger chance than if they wouldn't have had any of those ideas. I think there is a there is at least a potential seed in Afghanistan with the people ex having experienced those things to organize to uh, in in the future. Of course, but also a lot of them again. just had to go into hiding now because yes, yes but they exist now. Two, two, 20 years ago, they were literally not allowed to exist. Anyone not following the Islamic Sharia laws was being executed in the street. 
and and any and now that's happening again. That's happening again, but that yeah. doesn't that doesn't mean the twenty years of war are very complicated and very brutal. I would like to think that some of those people who died in Afghanistan, some of those Americans, some of those generals making decisions, tried to make something good out of it. Um, the twenty years of war have been eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama, and four years of Trump, and two years of Biden. Mm -hmm. We genuinely, uh, we generally regard Obama as not a so bad president of the U.S. We generally look at him in positive light. It's easy to do that if you have Bush and Trump. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that yeah. we look at what Obama did, and I do think in that eight years period regarding foreign policy, regarding Afghanistan, regarding Iraq, he did try. And there was a genuine try of, okay, we are in this mess, and if we pull out now, we're kind of fucking these people over. And I think that was the motivation for them to stay this long. Then Trump came. And I hate to say it, but I think Trump have taken a very, like, I don't know what to call it. It's, it's kind of brave for a U.S. president to be like, you know what? Fuck this war. I'm out. You know, like, think of Trump saying that I do not want the violence to continue. Yeah. I don't want to go hard on terrorists. I, I want to sit down with the Taliban and talk to them. I see what you're getting at. I mean, they both think. have similar ideas on women's rights. So. They do. But it's not like the Democrats have been... Uh, no, oh, but and, like we're and let's point out that Biden's policy is basically the same as Trump's at the yes, moment. Literally. Blatant isolationism. And I think... and that's But that's the thing I am kind of opposed to. Because... Now you hear indeed a lot of the left screaming like, oh, we should never should have gone and yes, it's exactly. good that we, that we leave it. Bullshit that you think it's good that we are leaving. The, first of all, everyone has an intrinsic gut feeling that this is a wrong thing to do because we do see, you know, we, we get the numbers of the people that die right now. We, uh, we all know the images of what the Taliban did last time. We'll go over them in a moment. Um, we all know... We, we get the reports at the moment of how people are, are feeling and, exp and what they are experiencing under Taliban rule already again. It is horrible, it is horrifying, and everything that was built there is being completely destroyed indeed. So fuck that bullshit of, it's good that we're and leaving. One I more hear thing. it a lot. An and application I of thousands of refugees going to mainland Europe, going to neighboring countries in the Middle East. The US being, well, they can't reach the US. Yeah, which is where the EU countries are clearly being pissed about, uh, among other things. But so first and foremost, no. And I think it's important to state this because in uh, historically, honestly, the left has I've, not I've been... I've heard no one say that they're happy that we're leaving. I, I've oh, heard, I... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Let's start with David Pakman, for example, who has been... Uh, strongly saying Biden is correct to leave. This is what we should have done a long time ago. This is all good. Yeah, sure. I'm not a fan of uh, of American state imperialism either. But the Afghans have always said, yes, we want foreign troops to leave. If our own government is capable of maintaining all the gains we have gotten so far. Yeah. And historically, and I feel like I need to really point this out because the left is becoming more and more stupid, it seems, with every day. 
the slogan is workers of the world unite it is in in this in intrinsically imperialistic because it says it, it calls for international solidarity that is why there were so many you know internationals you know as a way to organize any anyone that ever pretends to be anything remotely socialist or anything basically can say that the US should fully abandon the place or everyone the international community should abandon Afghanistan and let Afghanistan like any other country be a complete isolated unit because that is fucking wrong that is absolutely fucking wrong it is and fuck also this fucking america first bullshit from biden where when 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 lefties yeah. hear it from trump they're like fuck this we are a global humanity program and when Biden says it, suddenly they're like, yes, he's the American president. He's only concerned with American lives. That That's, is, bl- yeah, that is extreme hypocrisy. And it uh, needs to be pointed it, it's out. It's something that Biden himself said. He said, yeah. I am the president of the United States of America and I'm only concerned with American lives. But I mean, we all know that Biden was the most, like one of the most conservative candidates on that yes, election. At the same time, so. if you go back in his, uh, if you're, Obviously, if you do for any politician other than Bernie Sanders, if you look at their previous statements and their previous voting uh, history, Sanders has apologized for uh, agreeing to the to the war. Indeed, because um, he was also pro. But yeah, Biden has always been like, you know, we have a plan. We don't have, like right now. He's like saying that this whole fucking debacle is that's how the way it was planned all along, and that is just bullshit. Um, this is uh. I think what Tom said about the uh, this internal gut feeling that we're having as a this is bad, it shouldn't be ignored. This is um, this is our bodies and our our collective state of mind being like this is wrong. Um, of course, twenty years of imperial war is wrong. But yeah, it was absolutely motherfuckingly handled in the worst possible way and done for the worst possible intentions. But that doesn't take away that. Let's, I, I like this analogy. I read it on Twitter the other day. Let's say I stab you in the stomach right now mm-hmm. with a knife. Is it better to keep the knife in or to take it out? Well, if you take it out, you will please don't out. let me bleed out because that is equally bad. Yes, you, will, you will literally bleed. But I'd be like, I bowled out, you know... I, it's all it's all done. I shouldn't have stabbed you in the first place, so I'm just gonna pull the yeah. knife out. It's it's and that's I guess what it comes down to. It's two sides of the same coin that we're seeing. You yes. have, you fucked the Afghans over by invading and do, doing it the way you did, and now you're fucking them over by abandoning them on the side of the street. Also, translators, everybody who collaborated with the US government is being abandoned. By the US. I mean, it, they got some people out, but yes, a lot of them. A lot because of, of the catastrophic way of doing it. And uh, I, I've been uh, saying that uh, we would go over how the Taliban ruled. Let's do it for a moment. Um, so the Taliban are an ultra-conservative, uh, or a group that has an ultra-conservative interpretation of Islam. Um, in, and they, of course, include uh, Sharia law, or <laughs> a very conservative and, and horrible interpretation of Sharia law. Now they're being cute, you see. They have a public yeah, relations yeah, yeah, department. Bullshit. Yeah, they're very good. They're smart oh, they in even that have sense. a. Wa- Did you hear about the WhatsApp group? Oh yeah, they oh have a WhatsApp. They, they, WhatsApp have, a, they have a WhatsApp complaints. helpline number for yes. any concerned <laughs> oh, yes. Afghan citizen. Yes. yes, I did hear that. Last time, though, they were in charge. They banned a wide variety of activities, which includes, but is not limited to, movies, TV, music, dancing, kite flying. 
weirdly specific. <laughs> Beard trimming, alcohol, Christmas cards, also weirdly specific. Nail polish, computers, etc. Um, women especially uh, were treated badly, so badly that they, it has its own Wikipedia page speci specially dedicated to it. Uh, they were banned from all education and work. You know, Malala told us about that. Uh, remember her? She got shot in the head because of what she did. Yeah, a child. Well, she wanted to educate herself. <laughs> uh, they were also not allowed to wear stimulating or attractive clothing. Oh, huh, God. They can't take a taxi without male company. And in one case, the Taliban demanded people blacken the windows of their houses so the women couldn't be seen from the outside. And that is the last time Taliban was in power, indeed. Yeah, and, and um, in law, if you stole something, your hand got chopped off. And obviously. if you were an adulterer, you Get stoned got stoned. No, also sometimes in a stadium with an audience. Yes. Because it's very fun. It's, obviously. It's, it's a spectacle. That is, I think, objectively yeah. also, an inferior society. Also, to if you ours. want to if you want to learn something as a woman, you were encouraged to just ask your husband because you were not supposed to do research. Encouraged is a very soft word. Yes. <laughs> um encourage also, with bullets. Like forget all of this, you know? Like also this is horrible, obviously. Don't forget about it. But forget about all of this. Let's look at the when the last time Taliban was in power, that was 2000, 1999, something like that. The Islamic Emirate of uh, Afghanistan. They took power after like 40 years of destructive civil war. The country was left mm -hmm. with no infrastructure, no lights. Afghani people were literally the poorest people in the world. And when NGOs and uh, helpers out of uh, European countries or anybody who did wanted to do charity for these people... Um, on, on several occasions, the Taliban refused these helps because there was, with the charity people, there was a, a UK woman that was not accompanied by a man. Um, the NGOs actually tried to appease these people by sending um, Islam Muslim women to help. And the Taliban doubled down and was like, well, you can't send a woman without her male chaperone. So we are talking about... a. Like, I, I hate to have to indulge in responding to these people every time I talk about this, but you see it a lot on the left. People who are like, we shouldn't enforce our uh, Western ideology on these people. Let them have their traditions. Let them have, I don't know, whatever mm -hmm. the fuck you want to talk about. Fuck that. This is, this is the worst. And you have a moral obligation to be like, this is fucked up. And we should change this. You can't be like, it's their tradition. It's none of our business. I am a lefty, which means I do not condone any imperial uh, colonizing. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Sh shut, shut the fuck up. Honestly, shut the fuck up. Because, yes, we all acknowledge colonies. We all acknowledge colonizing history. We all acknowledge imperialism. Yes. Clearly a bad thing. We all agree. Yes, we all. However, stop trying to, to Stop trying to be like, but the Taliban is the Afghani people. And it's incoherent because it is inherently anti-feminist. You're saying women's rights are not natural. Like they're not, you, they're not you, a universal thing. You will literally find a fucking tanky being like, I am an LGBTQ activist who is in support of the Maoist Communist Party and the Islamic State right of ruling. Black Lives Matter... <sighs> and I just can't stand it no. because this is someone who has never 
had to look at what these fucking degenerates do. These people are, you know, like I, I, I think of myself as a person who is very well versed in like the US history of imperialism and just the fucking UK um, or the great empire of Britain, mm-hmm. which is- uh, Britannia uh, rules the waves. You know, like, you know, did you know that the most common, ho- this is a side fact. Did you know that the most common holiday on the world is the independence from the British? Doesn't surprise me. It's literally the most common celebrated holiday in the world. Mm. Well, <laughs> it says, yeah. So I am no stranger to the horrible the of imperialism, but these fucking right-wing extreme Muslims are on another level of dystopia. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, no. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so bad. It's sexual slavery. It's it's. Um, yes, I mean imperialism also did all those things. But yes, like I I just mean like, do we have to make one worse than the other to say that both of them are fucking horrible? I do think so, because somehow, like we obviously didn't abolish imperialism, we obviously didn't abolish colonization. We just made it into an economical way, and for better or worse. Somehow, that resulted in less executions. It resulted in less slavery. We still have slavery. Yes. We have wage slavery. We have people being denied health care. Um, but also, it, I, it resulted in a society mm. that is actually somehow not resistant to improvement. This system, even so, so fucked up, you know I me. Mean? I hate capitalism with every fiber of my being. I have to admit... If I put it next to a Sharia law country that is operating on the fucking idea that Islam word is rules, it is at least not impervious to fucking improvement. That's law. I that know, but now you're equating capitalism to imperialism, and although those are two. But cap- isn't capitalism the extension of imperialism? Let's be real. Well, of course, it's inherently imperialistic, but that's of course, yes. But also, I think it's problematic to be like to equate wage slavery, like you called it, to Sharia law when we're actually like. I just don't like that you're putting, for example, the slavery that happened in the U.S., where there was also sex slavery. There were also no rights for a huge group of people, and you're saying that that was somehow better now because no, I'm talking. I'm, ta- I'm talking modern history. I'm talking, let's say, 1930, post-1930. You know, like, when, when, when I'm trying to refute that fucking sentiment in the left of everything that happened uh, that is done by Western countries after 1930 is it's bad. bad. <laughs> and it's like, okay, grown-up, okay, now let's go back to school. And let's acknowledge... That this is not how the world works. Yes, yes. I'm just like, because I know you, I just want to point out that it's important to maintain nuance. <laughs> of course. <laughs> in, in, in the face of nuance, uh, uh, I do want to draw attention to one thing. Uh, because we continue, uh, and, and rightfully so, uh, talk a lot about the Ameri- uh, about America, yeah? uh, America. Under Biden and Trump. Um, but, you know... Um, Let's talk about that coalition for a moment, um, which means Europe for a big part. Yes. Um, there has been a very dubious relationship uh, recently, or at least relationship has been shaken 
because of the withdrawal. Um, first and foremost, let's say the European powers are equally guilty in all of <laughs> what is happening right now because they were fully there, fully present, and agreed to everything they fucking did. Are you uh, talking about NATO? Yes. Um, second, though... I can just see someone being arguing like, well, NATO is basically US ruled. Did yes, the Europeans actually have any choice? They could step out of NATO or at least True. force NATO to make a different move, but let's uh, point that. However, there has been a bit of bad blood between... Uh, the European powers and the US over this, it seems, um, because uh, allies uh, were not aware of the faster withdrawal that Biden uh, pushed uh, for, uh, were astounded, and especially the British uh, were fiercely debating it in Parliament to the point where the majority parties were angry at their own government, uh, which doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, but it did. Um, but yeah, basically this, this, um, this is happening because where do we go from here? What's the backlash that is going to result in... I think, um, it's, is it fair to say that mostly the Europeans are conservative refugees? This is the hot topic. Potentially, but also I think there was a serious military annoyance because when you suddenly hear that the US is withdrawing and therefore the Taliban is making offensives everywhere and your own army hasn't been able yeah. to pull out yet and you haven't had your airplanes ready to, ex to evacuate your civilians... And you all have to do it. Like, yes, there's clearly a head over heels. But, but I, I think like the US and have been talking about this withdrawal for years. No, but apparently uh, some countries were really astonished, and uh, <laughs> Berlin and London uh, reacted especially angry. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Merkel was not that happy yeah. in her last days of office, ne and neither was, for example, Theresa May and the Conservative Party in in, in Great Britain. Uh, they were ast astonished and and. Johnson seems to have played it off as uh, I was aware, but nobody was really buying it that he was aware. Um, so That's weird. Uh, yeah, some ex-diplomats apparently speak uh, about <laughs> treason <laughs> between the US and its NATO allies. Wow. So um, it's all they're annoyed. What, what, what do we do now? Uh, but I guess it, it's what you pointed out. The big concern of the EU countries seems to be at least right now, now that things have cooled down a bit or things are coming to an end. What about all those refugees potentially coming well, our way? Well, Gen Z doesn't want to have children anyway, so I think we kind of need the babies. <laughs> Don't give ammunition to the right wing who are uh, arguing about white genocide. I mean, our biology teacher told us in school, all the blonde kids, all the redheads, in a hundred years, you won't exist anymore. <laughs> I don't know if this is factually correct. I'm just saying like our biology teacher was like very, um, very dry about that. Your, your biology teacher was spending way too much time on Reddit. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, so do we think that let me just clarify, he didn't say that as in, like, that's a bad thing. He just said, like, that's just, like... Just a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He even said, like, because those are recessive genes and it's kind of bad to not mix your genes that much, so it's, like, better to mix your genes more, so it's, like... Again, economically, migration is also very positive. Yes. That's, for example, how Belgium <laughs> rebuilt itself yep. after two world wars. Um, and we've had but Afghani uh, immigrants and Afghani refugees um, yeah. forever. Um, there was a protest by 
young um, Afghani Belgians, was it? Um, yeah, in Brussels, uh, asking in Brussels. for indeed uh, support for those that w uh, do flee the country right now, uh, those people that did have ties to the Western Alliance, which included Belgian soldiers as part indeed. of NATO, um, and, and for them to hopefully get a refuge, a refuge in, in Belgium or in another European country. Um, so far, though, I mean, the for the longest period, uh, at least three countries in Europe wanted to, uh, one among them being the Netherlands and, and Austria, I believe. Uh, another one uh, wanted to over continue to send people back to Afghanistan, you know, if, if they were, if the procedures were uh, finished and they didn't get uh, citizenship here or, or, or a, a visa to stay here. Uh, that has been overturned by, I believe, the European uh, Union. Um, what is also interesting is that a lot of European states are already kind of singing to the tune of let's negotiate with the Taliban, which is, you know, a disgusting attitude because... It's. Uh, I. Uh, you can't see it because you're listening, not watching a video. I am showing a face of disgust. No. Um, I mean, of course, when it comes to pure power politics, I get it. If you're trying to save more people, that might be a move you have to make. If if military intervention is completely out of the question, but it is still. I mean, let's acknowledge it. A pure fucking disgust of. That, the, that it is from, we are trying to build a country where human rights are respected to, let's negotiate with the Taliban. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely I don't know no if fall. this like, like, uh, would help anybody who's listening. Just imagine if this wasn't happening in Afghanistan. Imagine if uh, Nazi Germany decided to not expand its borders, but to stay within. Yeah, and consolidate. And, and consolidate. And would you be fine with negotiating with the Nazi government? I mean, that's exactly what happened until Germany then decided to expand. That is, yeah, that is the appeasement <laughs> politics of Britain <laughs> and France yeah. for the longest time. But again, right now in the 21st century, as a citizen, oh, look, I wanted to ask yourself... It is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who could have known that? Also, by the way, like, um, in that sense, in that regard, uh, Taliban is not going to be satisfied with this one piece of land. Their doctrine is based on the idea of making the whole world under Sharia law, not to be fear-mongering here, but that's kind of like intertwined with the whole Sharia thing, is a day of reckoning where the whole world will be ruled under the flag of Islam. Yeah, it will be interesting to see because Russia has positive relations with the Taliban. Um, China is already putting itself constructively as well, uh, saying like, yeah, we don't see a problem with negotiating with them, um, which of course the ginormous Chinese bureaucracy, of course, and, and, and Communist Party has no scrupules about it because that thing is devoid of human emotion, uh, <laughs> like the Bork from Star uh, Trek. Um, so it will be interesting to see. Of course, NGOs and, and, and in general, the left is already calling for, you know, uh, Afghan refugees are welcome in Europe. I f of course, they're welcome. I just feel like we're back to the same weak rhetoric that we have with so many I mean, other countries. Refugees are welcome. But to be fair, if, like you said, if military intervention is not an option, which it's not at the moment, what else are you going to do? I honestly don't think it shouldn't be an option. I think it should be back on the table. Yeah, the Military I, intervention... I mean, I think the demand from, from, from the public out should be on the table. 
Wait, the demand. Sorry. I think I think that a a, a public, uh, I think that within public opinion or public protest, that can actually be a demand. Oh, oh, I see. What it you is mean. maybe it isn't on the table for like let's say a Belgian army on its own, but I think there definitely could be a push to say to the NATO, you have to. This is not okay anymore. What you did, and this time under the strictest of control or something of or ask for a UN. Uh, mandate or something, but this is not. I mean, we've had so many wars in this um, in this century, and they have always been for a bad reason. Um, they've always been about appeasing a sense of vengeance in the US, for example, invasion of Iraq. We have uh, wars being um, pushed because some people want to sell weapons. I think if you already buy all of the weapons and if you already have all of this, might as well. I, I do, like, I'm usually like, you know me, like I am the last person to be negotiating for war. But yeah. I do think a military intervention with an actual clear plan of what do we do next mm -hmm. is something that we should be talking about. I mean, also, and that's something we can't forget, there is one province at the moment still holding on, Panjir, uh, which has historically defied the Taliban as well. Um, it is also because of its geography. Partially, it, has, it basically has one way in and out. But maybe there is, in some sense, an option to have... I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. The US has instigated rebellions everywhere. Literally, this, you can literally find a, a, C, a Wikipedia page with all of the CIA instigated rebellions. It's uh, it's 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 not outside of the or of the ability of Western countries to organize a people somewhere else. I just don't, you know, we don't, we, we don't need a fucking decide. secret under the table CIA operation here. What we need is a clear, sent message of: Do you, as European citizens, do you, as American citizens, want a military intervention? in Afghanistan. I think this should be a question that is being asked directly. But I have to say, a part of me, I know I can't really place why, but it, it does feel wrong to just go in there guns blazing too. Because you've been told that for the longest of time, and, and it is, war is never a good option. For the longest of time, is. that was a correct position. And... We have, and we have been told that, and the entire narrative on the left is that, and the entire... Uh, narrative in which we live is that of nation states with the right of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. But sovereignty doesn't mean bullshit like that when, when, when things like that happen. In my opinion, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, if if that started happening, if we had a group like that, you know, let's let's put the question: if uh, Drisha and his, uh, if if the local right wing nut jobs. Uh, started to try and take control of the government in Belgium. I would want the Netherlands to invade. I mean, of course. Um, if Gilead was real, we wouldn't want Canada to invade. Yeah, like... I, I just think it's it's really that fucking simple. This is, this is a place where human rights are being not only trampled on, they're being um, erased. I guess it just... I guess the reason why it also just feels iffy is not because in the hypothetical sense it would be, I wouldn't agree with it, but I just can't see a world where a military force 
like NATO or the US, whatever, will do this without fucking up. <laughs> fucking up. And I, having. I agree with that. I don't think the NATO or states it. can do it. I get it, but it's not about that. It should be about, you know, like um, the story that uh, the colonizers talked about, like in 1930, 1948, when uh, France and the uh, British Empire were like, okay, we're going to take care of this country. We're going to lead them to. Uh, uh, an independence, but we're also going to build their infrastructure. And a version of that to happen in Afghanistan is something I would like to see. That's what I'm saying. It, it, at the time it happened because of want for political power. It was a resource, resources thing. They wanted the oil, they wanted the land, they wanted the power that comes with being the mandate power. I know this is naive, but I think if it's a war based on actual moral moral objections to what's happening, that's going to be a kind of war that is less fucked up. I think maybe a part of like what I'm thinking about too is, um, you know, like how just a lot of past conflicts have been painted like, oh, we're going to save these people. Like think of Vietnam, you know, like that was also yes. kind of portrayed of, uh, like yeah we're gonna like do something good for these people but you know the people didn't want it <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was kind of a huge failure yeah but nobody's asking the Afghani people now and I think if you could ask them nobody wants to live under the Taliban other than the Taliban themselves yeah I mean this is not a this is not a the Afghani people choosing to live under Sharia law this is Sharia law being imposed on them yeah this is um I know, I know it's very weird. It's like, this is, might be the first time in history where our position is like, yes, there should be military intervention. Um, I think that's all I have to say about it, honestly. It's kind of... Uh, I would also support uh, military intervention in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict where uh, the UN sends some um, military people to... Um, solve that conflict and is that going to happen of course not of course not in neither i'm just saying that happen probably in afghanistan because UN is a broken system and blah 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 blah. but obviously not just I, I i i want to be careful about the idea of well we shouldn't have been there in the first place exactly. let's leave it as it is and that is just gonna come and bite you back in the ass i mean it's yeah but you back i in think the ass in a refugee way it's gonna bite you in the back in the ass like do you think if the taliban is actually a strong state they wouldn't continue to do terrorist shit? I mean, of course. No, but like what I mean is, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you, but I just don't see it happening. And I feel like it's kind of sad to leave it on this hypothetical, you know? It's, it's okay, not impossible not, to happen. Let's you not have to leave it on, on the hypothetical. I think it should be a full-on goal and demand of progressives everywhere to work towards and demand a international system and probably through something like the UN that actually functions and allows for international solidarity because that should be our aim and goal in the ability to have and show international solidarity mm -hmm. in times like these. And if that is sometimes with clinking and, 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 and weapons and, and guns blazing because the opposite, because the opponent is also a fucking, you know, warlord or, 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 or uh, an organization that makes war simply, 
you know, if it is fascists uh, running around with guns, then so be it. But if but as I'm long as it is, of course, with with all the uh, it's just like the point side. of this first step, if you want to call it, is to get us to agree. Because I think as 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 I don't know leftists, we have always been on the side of all of these wars that have been done by NATO, by the US, by these Western powers have all been wrong. And we've been so used to the idea of this war is wrong. Let's do hippie shit. And it's a bit, we need to grow out of it. We need to say mm -hmm. before we go to the streets, before we go to our um, decision makers, we have to agree within ourselves. Do we actually, are we actually willing to take the risk in trusting our militaries to go there and fix this? Do we actually want this? Is this what we want? Do we, are we comfortable? Like we have to be comfortable with it. And I and think- And if not, it's another point to work towards and, and yes. that is, it should be identified as in, okay, we're clearly not comfortable with the military of our state. We don't trust them. Why not? What is the alternative? How yeah, can we, how I, can we adapt that? It's an important part. Honestly, anything but the idea of, let's just leave it. It's not our business anymore. My job is to get you as citizens safe, Biden. That should be, if people, there are people born under the occupation of America in Afghanistan. Kind of counts in my opinion as a citizens. Yes. The US occupied that territory for 20 years. It is basically part of the US in that sense. It it hasn't it has an obligation, and you don't get people. to be like fuck this. I'm out. I mean, yeah. I I mean, I think we all agree. On we that. we do agree on that. <laughs> it's just uh, it it is that kind of uncomfortable feeling in your guts. As like, do I trust my my government to wage war and to make this better? And clearly, it's not that comfortable. And like Tom said, that's a question that you should be asking yourself. You should be like. Why don't I trust my government to make the right thing and to wage a right war? <laughs> I mean, in Belgium, like, there is also Nazis in the government. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Partially. There is one. Um, um, and meanwhile, because that's not going to happen anytime soon, we should be also being like, okay, Afghani, Afghani people, you're not fucked. You're also... Welcome. I know it's yeah. a weak narrative. Yeah, yeah, of but course, no, of course. It should it should remain the basis. It but should. we can't leave it to that. But it definitely should be a part, yeah. and it should be a uh, organized as well. It can't just be rhetoric either. It should. But yeah, I think I think we have something to think about here because also with yeah. Hungary, we also um, discussed this entity, this hypothetical entity, maybe UN rules yeah, uh, that could intervene when human rights are being destroyed in a country uh, yeah. like Hungary, like Poland, considering LGBT and women's issues, like um, Turkey with like get, uh, withdrawing from the Istanbul Convention. Now again, Indeed. we see it in Afghanistan. Yeah, and, and maybe it's not military. You can also choke out Afghan the Taliban economically by uh, posing, like if you leave, that's one of the poorest countries in the world. They're not gonna last. Uh, but that means punishing citizens. That means indeed, and also they mostly deal in drugs, basically. And also their neighbors like Pakistan, India Iran. are very dodgy, very, very, very fucking yeah. dodgy, and they 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 will not have problems with sanctions. Mm. So 
let's just agree that that there is that there is a, yeah. a, um, I, I do think it's important to acknowledge that it's maybe uh, needed to discuss military forces that are not ruled by national interest exactly. but by exactly. human humanitarian needs um, and solely by that yes um, soldiers without borders. I'm coining the name. It's copyrighted. You have to come to me and pay me. I think that's kind of the point of the blue helmets. Of that's what you call them? Yeah, because they have blue helmets. The peacekeeping uh, troops. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the UN peacekeeping troops. troops. Peacekeeping yeah. troops. Ah, that's what yeah. they call them. Oh, in Dutch, we call them blue helmets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Interesting. yeah. Creative dumb these, name. These, these troops <laughs> no, no, have... In, in English, ha- you can also call them... The like blue helmets, helmets, but they have... Have they been deployed? Like I, yes. I remember him them being deployed on the Israeli-Syrian a border. A few times, But, like, yeah. they have been Very so few. limited. Very few. But, yeah, it's, it's... Something in that vein would be amazing. Exactly. Um... Fuck NATO. I want blue helmets. <laughs> Get imagine all of that funding in the la, in the hands going of going to the UN instead of yeah. NATO. Yeah. Would be. And that's 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 basically my point. It's like Yeah, and then we're thinking also more globally because we're not like NATO was kind of built to stop, you know, the big red you, the NATO is a, is a, is a U.S. Western coalition <laughs> yes. that is basically uh, we are the big daddy of military. It's and a feudal system. If, if we're being honest, it's it's basically the U.S. with a 57% power and all of the other members with the rest. Yeah. So if the U.S. wants to do something in NATO, they do it. Look at yeah. And if, if we can agree on one more thing, I feel like nobody in Europe really trusts the US <laughs> anymore. I don't think yeah. anymore. I feel like there has been a, a decent shockwave going through Europe yeah. of being like, hmm. I mean, how can you trust a country guys... that alternates between extreme right wing and at best centrism? To be fair, they did save us twice in a world war. <laughs> yeah. Which... So, and then they kind of bought us but like that's the thing like yes with the recovery plan. but that, that us doesn't exist anymore no that is true i think that is the big realization yeah. the us is starting to change and it's it has to, i it's, think what it's still going it's still going on it seems to become a bit more like like crazy but like in the sense of it's getting it seems to become nervous over its competition it's anarcho-capitalism it's i think what you need what what you need to think okay, about is, think, is in let yeah. me just make that one point. I think <laughs> in, when, when the US intervened in World War II, that was not a decision made by Amazon. That was a decision made by the US government. Mm, yeah. In 2021, I think Amazon have, like, it's not just Amazon, obviously, this is just a symbol for how, no, 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 how, how intertwined the idea of corporations in decision-making in the US. Yeah. Um. And that's another topic. <laughs> so uh, let's let's keep uh, again this idea of uh, blue helmets kind of force in mind. And um, yeah, see you guys next week to talk about a new, maybe a bit less depressing topic. A new depressing topic. Maybe or Texas maybe re- reverting abortion oh laws. Yes. Uh, oh wow. Soon, soon we will need that force to invade parts of the U.S. Probably. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Okay, see you guys. Bye-bye. Subscribe.